Hey, Howard Jacobson here. Welcome to today's Plant Yourself podcast. A quick reminder, this podcast is free for everyone and supported by patrons. So if you would like to find out about becoming a patron of the show and helping us out, helping defray the cost, helping to spread the message, you can do so at plantyourself.com slash gift. Thanks so much and enjoy today's episode. Hey, Howard Jacobson here with another special daily COVID-19 South Africa lockdown edition of the Plant Yourself podcast. Today is the 30th of March, 2020, day four of my lockdown. And I want to talk about the idea of what is an essential service. What is essential? There's a lot of argument and debate in countries and states where there are various restrictions in effect about non-essential travel, non-essential services, non-essential goods. So here there is a store, an online store called takealot.com. That's sort of the uh, South African equivalent of Amazon. They, one of the, I think they may be the only uh, online service that ships out to the Drakensberg where, where we're holed up. And their website has been down for several days because, according based on government regulations, they have to take off all non-essential items. They can only ship uh, essentials. Uh, I heard that uh, chiropractors in California are being told that they can't see patients because they are deemed non-essential. Um, I learned from my friend Ken McCarthy on Twitter that in New York State, liquor stores are deemed essential, whereas garden stores are not, which if you think about uh, local food resilience and uh, possible shakeups to our food supply is insane. And here, you know, there's a there's a complete lockdown. If you're not out on essential business, you will be arrested. Um, so I make sure whenever I go out that I carry a backpack and a shopping bag and head towards a store, so that if I'm even if I'm just walking, I can always uh, explain that I'm going to buy essentials, going to buy food for my family. And then when you get to the store, the food section, you know, there's a bunch of stores here that are both food and um, you know, camping and other stuff, and they have you know socks and scarves and fun mugs that say "World's Greatest Mom" and stuff like that. And they have to cordon it off. They can't, you know, they can't sell you the stuff that's not deemed essential. Of course, when you go to the essential section, you have freezers full of meat. You have uh, shelves stocked with candy. Um, you know, eggs, milk of all kinds, uh, rusks, which are like biscotti, twice baked. Uh, biscuits that are big favorites of South Africans to dip in their tea or coffee. And so there's a big a big debate about what is essential in terms of a service and in terms of a product and in terms of a job, right? Who's, uh, who, who has an essential job that, that uh, dictates that they get to go out? And I was thinking about that in terms of each of us. Like the word essential, it's, we, the way we're using it in this uh, COVID-19 debate is all about necessary, can't do without. But of course, the word essential doesn't mean that. The word essential means of the essence, the, the simple truth, the core of something. So an essential oil is not an oil that we can't do without. An essential oil is an oil that is derived from the essence of the plant. And so 
what what is essential in our lives right now? And we can we can talk about that from both perspectives to in terms of what is absolutely necessary. But I'm I'm more interested. I mean, we kind of know that, right? We need food. We need shelter. If we're if we're sick, we need medicine. We need movement. But like, what is the essence of us as human beings? Because we have come of age, all of us, in a society in which there's very little essence to see or point to, right? There's uh, most of the jobs that we do now are in front of computers, pushing buttons, looking at, at um, you know, photons on screens, pixels, and it's very different from what was essential for human beings for most of our history, which was to grow the food, to catch the food, to build the shelter, to uh, shoe the horse, to create the barrel, to store the grain or the olive oil, all the things that human life and and animal life, biology was based on, we are very far removed from any of those essences in our society. And now we've just had this giant shakeup. We've just had the core of our society picked up and and shaken like a like a you know a dog grabbing a something in its jaws and just shaking its muzzle back and forth. And so now we're we're confused about what's essential because you know millions and millions of us are not working and the country you know things are still moving along so it, we we can question like was what i was doing essential what what is what was essential about me and my life um was the internet essential here we are in in lockdown in this place where there is one spot where three different households can go to get internet, but if someone is doing something, the others kind of can't or have to wait or can have to be, re- you know, relegated to text. The it's an ADSL line, and as more and more South Africans stay home and more and more people share the data, it's become it's gotten to the point where me uploading an eight megabyte audio file can take several hours. So that's why I'm doing this. It's now 7.18 in the morning here. So I'm doing this thing first thing in the morning now so that I can make sure that I can get it uploaded and, um, you know, published out into the world before I go to bed tonight. So we thought we needed internet. And here we are, um, you know, doing without internet. We're not just checking our phones all the time because our phones are just, you know, bricks with, with music and old calendars on them. So what is, what can we learn from this time about our essence that maybe we want to remember and carry forward when we get to some new normal? So one thing I've noticed is that we are essentially social. And I know a lot of people who have felt very, very lonely in their lives, in their regular lives, that even if they're around people, that all of the interactions are transactional, are superficial, and people don't feel seen, they don't feel heard, they don't feel like they have time to develop relationships. This is especially true, I think, among men, although it's it's endemic in our society. But, you know, it's, it's uh, like men don't make friends after maybe college. Um and, you know, we are so busy and we are so told that we have to work the hours and have to achieve that 
the kind of time and openness and awareness and vulnerability that's required for friendship has eluded many of us for a long time. And it's okay because we fill it with all the things we fill it with, everything that comes from our screens and everything that comes from the factories making our fake food, right? So these are fake dopamine hits in lieu of the real thing, in lieu of real social connection, right? in lieu of the oxytocin of gazing into someone's eyes and, and seeing them and feeling seen and received from, uh, from actual hugs, from physical touch, handshakes, hugs, slaps on the back, sports in which there is physical contact. And now that we have been deprived of so much of the physical contact, we're really feeling the rubber band pull of it. And we're starting to see how essential it is. And so I'm hearing all these stories about people creating social experiences that are actually deeper than the ones we were having before. So virtual cocktail parties on Zoom, virtual dinner parties on Skype, um, digital worship services, um, people now working from home, as one, one psychologist on the South African news program was saying yesterday, it's not just everyone's working from home. It's that everyone's, it's like everyone is working, but they invited their family into the workplace. So we're working from our real lives. So a lot of the, the divisions have broken down and we can see and we can feel in our very selves the importance of social connection, of community of being embedded and in a sense defined by the people we hang out with and by our relationships with them, by how well they know us and how well we know them. And I would put to you that that is probably our central essence. And we can look at it, of course, biologically in terms of human beings did not survive on their own and we needed the the group, the herd, in order to survive. And so we um, evolved exquisite cues and emotions that attuned us to cooperation and to cohesion. And we can feel that in these days when we, you know, you don't know what you got till it's gone, as uh, Joni Mitchell sang in Big Yellow Taxi. And now that it's gone, we feel its loss and we are using all the tools at our disposal to recreate it. And so I'm hoping that when this settles, that we're going to remember, we're going to remember the importance of being in person, of having a running group, of having a walking group, of practicing the kind of emotional courage the phrase that I love that my friend Peter Bregman um, has, has been writing about for a decade, the emotional courage to go deep because shallowness is no longer sufficient for us. And I know the world is going to want to come back with, with more and more. Now that, you know, everyone's gone digital, people are going to want us to stay digital, you know, because that way we can prevent the next pandemic. And then when people who are fragmented don't come together to make social change, don't come together to fight injustice, don't come together to end factory farming, 
to oppose climate change, right? People who are atomized can be very easily manipulated. So it's extremely important for us during this time to work on our own emotional courage, to practice vulnerability. Maybe it's easier. You know, I coach people typically over the phone. I don't use Skype or Zoom or FaceTime um, because it's easier for people to be honest and vulnerable and courageous when it's just an ear on the phone and they, they, we may never have seen each other's faces. So let's use this time to practice the kind of emotional courage, vulnerability, and desire to connect so that when this is over, that's where how we fill the vacuum. There's one other thing I want to talk about in terms of our essence, and it's very much related to how we have been coping with social isolation by being so creative. And creativity is another essential human trait that we are seeing blossoming in this time of constraint. You know, I, I have friends on, uh, fa- actual friends whom I've seen on Facebook, um, you know, doing the most incredible arts and crafts projects. I've seen people um, kitting out their toilets, putting a couple of toilet rolls on top of the closed seat for eyes, and then putting cigars in their mouth or, or scarves. Um, I've seen people picking up, taking up drawing. I read yesterday in a newspaper article that one of the uh, items of food that has been flying off the shelves is uh, baking yeast. So people are starting to learn how to bake. And people, you know, groups, uh, musical groups are trying to figure out how to collaborate, even with the lag time that comes from from Skype and the other, um, um, you know, video collaboration services. And people are figuring all sorts of things out. I'm part of a group of, of medical professionals who are sharing the latest, and we're seeing innovation in ways of you know, just figuring out testing and ways of um, you know, a, a short nasal swab. Last night, uh, Governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, was talking about a group that had developed a short nasal swab that could be an at-home COVID-19 test. Um, I heard that um, the Dyson Corporation came out with a cheap ventilator, that we are seeing a blossoming of creativity in this time of constraint. People are taking up musical instruments, singing as a family, um, working on projects you know, now that, you know, even even though we still have, you know, the Tiger King and all this streaming on uh, on our social networks and on, on our streaming services, and we have this, you know, all this entertainment, a lot of us, at our fingertips, um, press and company excluded, because it takes about four hours to download a, uh, a Netflix 30-minute episode here. But, you know, we're seeing like now we have to, we have to make it for ourselves. We don't just get... We don't just open our mouths like baby birds and corporate America pours in our programming. We are regaining our muscle of entertaining ourselves, of storytelling, of expressing who we are, expressing our humor, expressing our pathos, expressing our concern, our grief, our fear, our love, our compassion. And I want that to continue too. This is not just, okay, well, so human beings can be creative when there's no other choice. 
right? This is, this is again, part of our essence, part of who we are. So I guess as, as I, I didn't really plan out this talk, except that I just wrote down like essential and social and creativity. But I guess what I'm saying is I'm seeing an opportunity here for us to create a new world. Uh, one of my favorite songs as a kid, I grew up in a, in a very left-wing union family. My father was a, was a labor organizer for, uh, for before I was born, well, when I was little, for the uh, ILGWU, International Ladies Garment Workers Union. Um, he was the first uh, president of the CIO, the Council of Industrial Organizations, when they split from the AFL, the American Federation of Labor. And when I was sort of old enough to know what was going on, he was the director of communication for Region 9 of the United Auto Workers, UAW, out of Cranford, New Jersey. And growing up in that kind of family, we sang a lot of social justice songs. And of course, the classic is Solidarity Forever. And uh, I had memorized all the words. And the, I'll give you the last uh, stanza. There's, there's, I don't know, there's dozens of stanzas, but there were sort of three that made it into the canon. In our hands, we hold a power greater than their hoarded gold. Greater than the might of armies, magnified a thousandfold, we can bring to birth a new world from the ashes of the old. For the union makes us strong. And I would say, for union makes us strong. For the social connections that we are forging now, that we have seen to be so precious, that we we got distracted from. That we can build a new world from the ashes that we are living through right now. And so my, my question for each of us is what can we do in terms of creating these social bonds and expressing our own unique creativity in this time so that it doesn't just fall away when the new normal emerges? We have been living in what philosopher uh, Eliezer Yudkowsky calls an inadequate equilibrium. It's been stable, but nobody's really happy with it. Nobody, we're not living in the, in the Western world. We're not living in joy, in harmony with the earth. We're not living in abundance. Most of us, even the super rich, are building bunkers and planning their, their flights to Mars to escape from the dying planet. We have been living in an inadequate equilibrium. And this thing, this terrible disease that is overturning our communities and taking away many of our loved ones is shaking everything up. And we're going to come down. We're going to land in a new equilibrium. And what each of us does now individually and what we do as collective can determine the adequacy, the, 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 the joy, the beauty of this new equilibrium. So let's, let's spend some time thinking about that and seeing what it is we can do, each of us and collectively, to create a more beautiful world, a new world from the ashes of the old one that we are watching disappear. All right, quick reminder that if you find these valuable, I have a tip jar and it's available at plantyourself.com slash gift, G-I-F-T, all lowercase. If you'd like to support my work, I'm doing these on a daily basis here in lockdown in South Africa. And got to say, um, it helps. So if, you're, if you have surplus, 
Uh, a lot of us don't right now because of uh, the economic exigencies and many of us are out of work so don't you know if you if you don't have it to spare don't worry about it if you do if you have been uh, graced with a little extra and you want to support this work uh, plantyourself.com/gift a one time gift or you can become an ongoing monthly patron thanks a lot and as always be well my friends all right, time for thanks. Thanks to Will Reidenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willreidenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Maurer, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Mr. Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jennifer Kinoski, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes of Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, Janet Selby, hi Janet, Claire Adams, Tom Franzak, Jeanette Benham, Gil Lacert, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Dorona Vizov, Gio and Carl Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesen, Ruth Ann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, The Equally Mysterious, Tracy Z, Aviva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lineman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Martha Bergner, Susan Ahmad, Nolly Levine, The Inscrutable Harry R., Susan Laverty, The Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Dean Norton, Bonnie Lynch, Plant Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Cobble, Julian Rodkins, Breed O'Connell. Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzinwa, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Orlikoski of Plant Power for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Dan Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazleton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justin Divich, Ashra Summermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan Bacorny, Stephen Lehman, Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Karts, Dean Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gullich, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parham Ganshi, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt, Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidorowska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught of Edible Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, Danielle Roberts, and Michael Lushton for your generous support of the podcast that's it for now as always be well my friends <laughs>